One has a face for radio and the other has a voice for print. Today, P.F. and Parker from the Blue State Conservative talk the military's reoathing, the left's contempt for federalism, and P.F. opens up the mailbag. Welcome to Deducing for Deplorables. everybody to another episode of Deducing for Deplorables. I am Parker Beauregard, joined as always by P.F. Whalen. We have our four headlines to dive into, but first we want to introduce the newest section of our podcast, where we respond to intelligent queries from listeners of the podcast and readers at thebluestateconservative.com. P.F., what's our inaugural question? The first letter from our very first mailbag comes to us from Ed, who asks, among other things, this is an interesting question, uh, quote, have either of you ever voted Democrat? Which is a fascinating question. And for me, I'm not proud to say it, but I have, although it's been many, many years. Um, I voted for a Democrat last Parker in, uh, I guess it was 1986. It was in the mid 80s. And there was a particular, um, there was a particular candidate running for our U.S. Senate seat in my state. And he was somewhat of a cultural icon and athlete, actually, and very well known. And I had met him. He was a nice guy. So I voted for him, but that's going on 35 years ago now. So the answer, Ed, is yes, I have, but it's been a been quite a long time. And I got to say also that uh, that Democrat that I voted for was um, he was not nearly as leftist or radical as those uh, those Democrats are today. So how, how about yourself, Parker? Have you ever voted for a Democrat? I can say no, but I, I got to qualify my no. But to your point on voting for Democrat in the 80s, I, we were looking at a different Democrat party at the time, too. And I often think, too, like in the civil rights area, I think that was a little before both you and I time as, as adults. But I think I would have been on the side of Democrats in the 60s, certainly as people were fighting for equal rights. I think the, the civil rights movement led by Dr. King and others at that time fighting for equality for the black population uh, was a worthy and worthwhile cause to be part of. I so when you compare that to the, the movement of today and the Democrats and, and how they're spewing lies and hate and, and saying that blacks have not made any progress in this country, I, I don't feel the same way. So I'll defend you. Um, and it's an interesting question, too, because when we look at the name blue state conservative, I've actually gotten some emails about, you know, what, what does blue state mean? Is it more are you sitting on the fence? Are you moderate conservatives? Uh, so it's interesting in the name. And I wonder if that's what prompted the question. But no, I've never voted Democrat, but I have voted independent a couple times. I voted for an independent third-party gubernatorial candidate at one time in my life. He, here, I just pulled up the stats, too. I don't know if I should be thrilled about being in that selective minority or I just wasted a vote. He garnered 6.4% of the overall vote, and the Republican candidate eked out a victory with a 1% win. So I almost contributed to a Democrat winning my state rather than a Republican at the time. So I will not be voting independent in the foreseeable future here, but... Interesting question. Thank you, Ed, for sharing that. And as our listeners are engaging with us, you can find our contact information on our website, thebluestateconservative.com. We would love to hear from you. So with that being said, PF, let's move into our headlines today. You and I both have some, some interesting takes here. The first headline I want to pull up, it's from the military news, AmericanMilitaryNews.com. And the headline reads, the Navy is ordering all sailors to re-swear oaths to the Constitution amidst this extremism stand-down period. So I don't know if you're aware, but the Secretary of Defense ordered a 60-day stand-down amidst the Capitol riot ex uh, exploration and wanted to root out extremism within the military ranks too. So this is coming at a time when our servicemen and women are certainly going through the gauntlet of their own right now. Um, any sort of conservative or other 
political viewpoint is certainly getting looked at closely under a microscope. I find this interesting for a couple of reasons, though. It's interesting how Democrats are suddenly concerned about the Constitution. I feel like this is a recurring theme for sure. When it comes to oaths to the Constitutions, I am least concerned about our military service people violating that oath. I am most concerned about politicians and Democrats in particular violating their own oaths. Um, I think about the Kamala Harris and Joe Biden swearing in. I don't know if they under, understand what they're saying or they do not care at all what they're saying. I would like them to maybe reread the Constitution and take a second oath well before any of our, our brave men and women in uniform. So I'm, I would be offended if I were them. I don't know how the military stands for that. And I don't know how this ends well either, um, not in terms of a fight or a civil war, but I have to think at this point, our military is served by predominantly traditional or conservative Americans, but the brass doesn't reflect that. I think we've seen politics engaged far too long in the upper echelons of military leadership. So you have this other interesting and unfortunate divide where the higher ups all lean one way politically, or at least are neutral enough because they're just playing the game to rank up. And you have a lot of the men and women on the front lines that do not share that value. I don't know where this leads to, too. So that will be that will remain to be seen. But 60 days stand down in an ordering of retaking the oath. Uh, I thought that was the point of the first oath that they took. So a little baffling here and also certainly concerning. Yeah, sure is. And, and I haven't actually seen a whole lot of um, input from any generals or admirals or any of the chiefs of staff on this. Um, we, we actually have a piece tomorrow going up. Parker from our friend at Gen Z conservative. That's pretty interested. It's called the uh, Stalinist purge of the American military. It's a good piece. Um, but the, uh, I think the military leaders, the actual generals, the, the, the officers need to need to speak up on this. Uh, I, we don't really have time to read through the whole pledge, but it's, it's troubling. It's, it's essentially a pledge to wokeness uh, about acknowledging people's experiences and so forth, so on and so forth. We need to have a military that is moral. I don't think there's any question about it. I think over the years, um, as we've learned, as we, you know, we've had we've had trouble um, with various service members over the years, court martials, some more famous than others. So I, I think it's important that we continue to take a look at things and make sure that our our service men and women are acting morally and behaving morally. But to 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 take it to this level with an oath is absolutely troubling. Um, and it's I guess we shouldn't be surprised by the, the way our friends on the left are constantly trying to politicize everything. So now it's even come to this. But this when you start politicizing our servicemen and women, this becomes highly problematic. I mean, these are the folks that are defending our liberties, our freedom, defending our country. And we start injecting this stuff into the conversation. It, it gets to be a real problem. Um, it's. I think we have a great system in the country with the Constitution. We have separation, right? And the the Depart, uh, Department of Defense, the Secretary of Defense, has to be a civilian. You know, we had that whole problem with James Mattis uh, when he was uh, uh, DOD Secretary for Trump. I think it's a great, I think it's a great way to go about it. It's a great approach, but it also can pose problems such as this. And we'll have to see where this takes us. But it's really, it's really troubling. So, okay, all right, Parker. Let's move on to topic number two. <clears throat> this comes to us from NBC News, and it uh, it reads, quote, President Biden wants to vaccinate teachers to speed school reopenings, but more than half the states aren't listening and haven't made educators a pri priority. The piece, Parker, goes on. The, the primary point of the piece is it, it's questioning federalism 
And uh, in fact, the headline is about why why President Biden, why Joe Biden can't force states to do this. And the primary concern that I have with it just kind of shows the mindset. Uh, the piece goes on and it says, quote, under the Constitution, the powers of the federal government are far reaching, but not all encompassing. States have always retained control over public health and safety from policing crimes to controlling infectious disease. But the debate has renewed criticism of the federalist system that has allowed states to do as they please with very different approaches and results. And it's clear where folks are going with this. And their concern is federalism itself. And I think when we look at the way President Trump handled COVID, we can we can armchair quarterback and second guess him on stuff. But the way I see it, Parker, is probably the single best thing he did was to use the approach of federalism. Having bureaucrats based in Washington telling folks what to do in Idaho regarding this virus is absurd. And we need to have federalism. And we could we could actually spend quite a bit of time, I think, talking about the validity of this argument. Right. Should teachers be prioritized? Uh, statistics show science shows that that teachers are no more likely to get infected, particularly by students. They're even less likely to be infected because of the, the infection rate for, for younger folks is so low. Um, but the idea that we need to go away from federalism is the exact opposite what this country needs. And, you know, we just we just celebrated or celebrated. We just recognized or acknowledged um, half a million folks that have died and we mourn the deaths of all of them. It's been awful. I can't help but think, Parker, if we had gone with a, a less federalist approach and tried to centralize power in Washington, those numbers would be even worse. Absolutely. And didn't we just get done going over a headline about retaking oaths? I, I Everyone in this writing this piece or questioning this piece would be in violation of the Constitution, right? So again, the military knows what they're taking an oath for. When they're su suggesting that we undo federalism, they're suggesting we tear up the Constitution. Uh, to the second point, though, about teachers, I'm, I continue to be baffled and frustrated why educators get treated with kid gloves. I think of the people that have been enduring conditions in grocery stores, gas stations, the big box stores that somehow got to remain open, but mom and pops did not. Uh, why, why are teachers so special? And there's science that you kind of alluded to that would support that claim. Kids are not vectors of transmission. Um, if teachers are over a certain age or they fall into certain brackets because of those ages or brackets, then fine. But for them to get a vaccine or priority vaccination because they're a teacher in and of itself, that is not a compelling reason to me. Um, I am extremely disappointed in the teaching profession. I think everyone, you, I, you, me, our listeners, I think everyone knows a teacher closely or knows many teachers closely. It's a large profession. Uh, teachers make up the largest public sector union in the nation counting three to four million members. So I think that will speak to the larger issue of why are they getting prioritized because of that voice. But teachers are everywhere. We know them. We love them. But teachers as a whole are a disappointing group. Teachers individually, I can get behind and support and love. But teachers and teaching as a profession, uh, I am completely disappointed. They have collected a paycheck for the last year doing very little work. Um, and now for them to think that they're somehow the most special segment in the population that they should get to the front of the line over the elderly, over people that have had no choice to work remotely these last 11 to 12 months. Uh, it's it's an outrage. And so for that, teachers, I'm extremely disappointed. Uh, 
I'm going to move. There's no good way to segue to the next headline here. I'm taking a different approach. I've dug down and found PF a local news article. This comes from Fox 9 KMSP out of Minneapolis. Uh, the headline reads that Minnesotan hopes to be the first woman with Down syndrome in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. So we're, we're going off the beaten path. This is not making national headlines. It doesn't deserve to be. But I just had a few thoughts on this, and I know you'll have some thoughts as well. Uh, this is the first you're hearing of it, but I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Um, I don't have an issue, to be clear, with anyone aspiring to be on Sports Illustrated. I don't have an issue with anyone seeking out something that brings them fulfillment and happiness. I have an issue, and this strikes me as just that ne next intersectional identity politicking going on here. Sports Illustrated is seeking to have the first of someone. We already experienced with this Kamala Harris, the first black, the first Asian, the first first mistress in the White House, right? So now Sports Illustrated is seeking to have the first Down syndrome woman featured in their article. Uh, I don't know what this brings to the table. Typically, and so let me go down first here. In 2007, the same individual became the first woman with Down syndrome to compete in a state USA pageant. Um, she didn't win, but she did win the spirit of Miss USA and Directors Awards that night. So again, it's a token award. She got it simply for having Down syndrome. The greater point that I'm trying to drive home with this is that two things. Number one, pageants and competitions and contests should be based on merit and bringing out the best. We used to read Sports Illustrated, well, look at Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions because it had some of the most beautiful women in the world in provocative poses. Um, it was sexy. It was, as a man, to look at that, you enjoyed that. I'm sure she's a wonderful human being with a big heart, but I'm looking at some of the photos they're taking for the swimsuit issue. I don't want that in my Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. I just don't. I want to see the best and the most beautiful in that realm. Uh, so we're watering down the competition. Again, she's going to get in there, not because she's beautiful, but she has downs. It's the same thing. I want a qualified vice president. I don't want one of vice president because she's black or a woman. Um, to the second point, though, this also smacks of taking advantage of people with disabilities. It reminds me of Greta Thunberg being used in this fight for climate change. Uh, she is diagnosed with what, Asperger's or autism, or at least should be. I, we don't know to what extent she's able to fully manage her own emotions or her speech. We see that she's getting handled to promote Twitter at the very least. And here we are again with a young woman that has surely been told that she's big and beautiful and wonderful and this is such a great thing, but does she really grasp what she's getting into? And, and I would argue no. So let me NPF and then I'll kick it off to you with how I started. Good for her for doing this. If I were a parent of a child in her situation, I think I would celebrate that too. And we want to give them a rich, full experience in life. I, I just don't see how this leads to anything good in the long run, though. I'll send it off to you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, I mean, listen, I'm, there's not many people out there who are more supportive of Special Olympics. Uh, I, I volunteer every year for Special Olympics. I donate to Special Olympics. Uh, one of my children is extremely involved. Uh, with the organization um, and just in general I, I just i just love folks with special needs the the innocence and the purity um and on its face i, I might look at this and say well, well well good for her isn't this nice but I, I i think you have to once you get past that aspect of it and like you said I, you know probably the, the the parents and the family are very proud of her and rightfully so um but i, I think when you get beyond that you have to question the motives so what are the motives of Sports Illustrated? Sports Illustrated is one of the most woke publications out there. Um, and it's just, to me, it just seems clear that their whole objective here 
is to try to be woker than the next uh, competitor, the next publication, the next magazine. Um, and, and call me a cynic, call me skeptical, but that's that's the way I see it. And it's it's troubling um, because, again, if this was if this was just if they had standards and they base their standards and they or they base this decision on that standards, you would take your hat off and you tip it. But they don't have standards. And, and as the years have gone by, if you go back and look at the, you know, the uh, the swimsuit issue from the mid 90s, obviously, it's totally different. Now it's more about politics than it is about female beauty. And it's a shame uh, because, uh, like you mentioned, um, the SI swimsuit issue, I, I don't think it was ever to the point where it was even coming close to porn, uh, pornographic, although I know some people disagree. disagree. What, I, what I always viewed it as, it celebrated the female form, right, and female beauty. And, you know, as a red-blooded American male, I always, I always enjoyed getting it. I got it every year, and um, I always really enjoyed it. Uh, but now we're just going in a different direction. It's all about wokeness. Um, and it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, we'll see where it goes, but I, I got a feeling this is just uh, the beginning and next year's next year's issue of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue might even be warm oak, uh, more woke rather. We'll have to see how it goes. So, all right. Uh, and our final, final topic today, Parker comes to us from Politico. Uh, and this is about the, uh, uh, some of Joe Biden's nominations, but specifically this is regarding, uh, Neera Tandon, who's been uh, nominated by Joe Biden for the uh, uh, Office of Management and Budget. So it reads, women's right activists and ally Democrats are growing increase increasingly vocal about what they call the unfair targeting of women and people of color nominated by Joe Biden to top, uh, to top posts in his administration. Their fears have been bubbling for weeks as Biden's nominees of color came under sharp attack for conservative groups or so their nominations delayed or opposed in greater numbers. But the worries burst out into open over the weekend as Neera Tandon's nomination to lead the OMB near the de uh, near defeat at the hands of a Democrat. So, I, I mean, again, this is this is identity politics, pure and simple. If you if you disagree with a Democrat, if you disagree with someone on the left, um, you're a bigot. OK, if you know, unless the person's a white person, but even then they'll, they'll call you a bigot, um, they'll call you a white supremacist, whatever. So regardless of what the person's qualifications or what your reasons are for opposing the person, uh, they just jump right to the race card. They just right, jump right to identity politics and use that. What I think is interesting and here, here's here's what really jumped out at me. Uh, the senator from Ohio, uh, Portman, Ron Portman, he called this out during the hearing and he said, uh, he gave a few examples, including the following of some of the stuff that uh, Neera Tandon has said. Uh, most of it's on Twitter, but she sent out thousands, thousands of tweets. And uh, some, these are just a few. She said regarding Susan Collins of Maine. Susan Collins, by the way, is barely even a Republican. I mean, she's about as moderate or left as you can get and still call yourself a Republican. But uh, Neera Tandon called her the worst, quote, the worst. She called Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas a fraud. Um, she said that vampires have more heart than Ted Cruz. So we, we can tell she doesn't care for Ted. And keep in mind, all these people I'm naming here, these these are people who have to vote for her approval or her confirmation for her nomination. But th this is what this one is probably the most troubling to me. She said uh, regarding Senator Mitch McConnell, she referred to him as Moscow Mitch and then called him Voldemort, which uh, I know bo both you and I are fans of Harry Potter. And I just got to say, I'm, I'm just appalled that a, a muggle 
like uh, like her would would refer to uh, Mitch McConnell as uh, Voldemort. But um, she called him Moscow Mitch. So here's the question I, I have to ask myself. So if somebody on the right even comes close to agreeing with any of some of the QAnon topics and theories, they're immediately uh, demonized by the media, demonized by the left, you know, whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene or whatever, how dare you? How dare you believe that? Look, she's nuts. You know, this is what 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 the person believes. So this person, Neera Tandon, continues to believe, calling Moscow Mitch, calling uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch McConnell Moscow Mitch, she obviously pl- still embraces the the Russia hoax. So shouldn't that be a disqualifier? The, the, the Russia hoax, the idea that there was um, Russian interference that stole the election for Donald Trump, right? that, that was the whole premise of it. It was totally debunked by the Mueller investigation, by the Mueller report, yet this person who wants to be in charge of trillions of dollars, right? As the head of the Office of Management and Budget, she can just go in there. And if you even dare to criticize the fact that she's a conspiracy theorist believing in the Russia hoax, they call you a bigot for doing so. What do you think, Parker? Well, you gave me a lot to go off there. I mean, my initial thought is like, what an insult to Voldemort. This is a great villain (laughs) in literary history. And Mitch McConnell is no Voldemort. So I'm a little offended by that. I think J.K. Rowling should be offended, too, that Mitch McConnell got the moniker of Voldemort. Uh, It's curious because I watched the Garland. I I never do this, but I actually watched live Merrick Garland's train wreck of a hearing. He couldn't even he sounded like Biden, except we we might think Garland might be a little more with it. Garland sounded terrible. He deflected in such obvious ways. He, He then accused uh, riots and protests and violence and mayhem that occur at night as not really being terrorism. So that's an interesting distinction. I'm curious to see how that plays out in courts later on now that he has established that. But I don't think the GOP likes Garland any more than they like any of these other losers. Uh, Garland being a white male or near a tandem being whatever she is, it doesn't matter about race or sex. It matters about your insane ideas. And so it is a little absurd. This is not surprising. Obama was Teflon for eight years because anything that you disagreed with made you a racist. So Garland is going to get as much pushback, but he has nothing to make noise about because he can't say it's they don't like me because I'm a white male, right? He's already in that place of privilege. So Tandon and all the rest, they can get away with this noise. People believe it uh, and nothing's going to change there. Right. All right. Oh, yeah, that's me. I got to kick it back with my Sephora. All right, I'm going to. All right, PF, that leaves us with our last headline of the day. So we always want to end now on a just a weird, wacky day. There's there's a lot of news that can get you down, but there's always some fun news out there, too. So this is a headline that says the Japanese brewer Sapporo is delaying their new beer launch over an embarrassing typo. So ooh, sounds like a big deal. I don't know about you, but I would be more concerned with the beer didn't taste good rather than what's spelled <laughs> on the can. But we're out of Japan here. It says that they were going to cancel this beer introduction because of what they called embarrassing errors. And so as you actually read the article, the only embarrassment was that they spelled lager, which should be spelled L-A-G-E-R as L-A-G-A-R. Now, I don't know about you. Most beer drinkers I know don't look at the beer can spelling. They might see the Sapporo and they might just see something cold in the fridge and grab it. So kudos to Sapporo for having the integrity. I think some of our headlines today talked about how there's really a lack of initiative to do anything that's right anymore or have standards or expectations. So tell you what, I'm going to tip my cap to the Japanese brewer Sapporo for 
for wanting to put out a, a high quality product with high quality and marketing standards behind it. Uh, but as a, a an enjoyer of delicious beers and other alcohols, I'm going to say that that's not my biggest concern right now. What about you? <laughs> no, it's not my biggest concern either. I, you know, the, uh, I, I guess if, if I was, uh, if I was so inclined to, to try their beer, I've, I've got my own favorites that I, that I like, uh, and I do enjoy my beer, but, um, I guess I might question the attention to detail aspect of it, right? So if they're cutting corners and can't even use spell check to find out how to spell lager, what else did they skip? But um, yeah, it's just interesting. And it's, it's just, I think it just shows that it doesn't matter what culture you have. Um, people make mistakes, right? So um, good luck to them. I'm, I'm glad they're doing the right thing here, making sure their spelling <laughs> is properly. Uh, I would imagine somebody in, in Japan and in, in, a, in a marketing department somewhere right now has a lot to answer for and probably isn't having a good day. But uh, who knows? Maybe maybe this is good publicity for them. Uh, well, any publicity is good publicity, so, so the story goes. So maybe this will get people to give it a try once they do uh, send it over here and let us give it, give it a taste. We'll see how it tastes, right? That's going to wrap things up for today. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard and you made it this far in the podcast, be sure to subscribe to our show, and you can always check out more analysis in written form over at thebluestateconservative.com.